Welcome to Wonderland, the podcast where I go down the rabbit hole to research things you may be curious about. My name is Ami, and I'll be your guide on this trip to Wonderland. Hi, and welcome back to Wonderland. I'm so happy you're here with me today, and I hope that you're looking forward to learning about furry or feathery or scaly creatures that we let live in the houses with us. I found myself wondering about pets as I was snuggling with my sweet pup, Allie. Some studies indicate that nearly one in three households worldwide have pets. So how did that come to be? I wonder. 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 Do you have any pets? Tell me about them. Are you recording? Where are they? I only see Elsa. Oh. That's Ray and that's Finn. And then here's Knox. <laughs> those are Star Wars huh? names. But those are Star they Wars are. names. And their birthday is on May the 4th. Ah, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> At least I made it that way. Well, this topic will be super fun given yeah. this conversation. Our topic today is pets. So, do you have any pets? Well, I do have some pets. I actually have a dog who's barking right now in the back, if you can hear her. And I have a cat. Uh, tell me about um, So, Elsa is a rescue that I got when I was 21. So, I've had her for about eight years. No, that's a lie. Nine years. <laughs> and then, um, Knox is also a rescue, and he's about a year and a half Yes, she's a lap dog, and I have a snake. He doesn't eat that much. I do. I have a dog, and currently we have three baby chicks that are about a week and three days old. Uh, Gilly is a seven-year-old Carolina dog. Yes, I have a dog and a snake. You don't want to tell me about them? have a dog named Allie and a snake named Flick. <laughs> no, kind of. I mean, we have one that adopted us. We have a cat that adopted us. <laughs> Tell me about him. Or her. It's a him. We, we think it's a him. We don't know. We believe. We don't get up in his business. What do you call him? Leo. What does he look like? He's what, gray and black? Yeah. He acts like a mere cat. So many of us have pets. At my house, we have Allie, a white pity mix with a brown spot on her eye that reminds me of the RCA or Little Rascals or Target Dog. She's a 60-something pound dog who thinks she's a lap dog. Spoiler, she's not. We got Allie about six years ago when my son asked for either a little brother or a dog. So we got him a dog. We also have a ball python named Flick. Flick is a very cool little dude, and we got him about three years ago. When my son was four, he asked for a snake, and I told him no. And he asked when he could get one, and I said, maybe when you're eight. Sure enough, that kid can't remember something I told him 15 seconds ago, but when he turned eight, he asked if he could get the snake now. I've always grown up in a house with dogs. I'm allergic to cats. But I've also had a bunny named Flip, many, many guinea pigs, a couple of lizards, lots of fish, and believe it or not, if you know me and my apprehension towards birds, I even had a parakeet once. 
So what do you think it means to domesticate an animal? Um, it take, what does it mean to domesticate? Um, they live in the household with you. Um, they're not wild, <laughs> um, to a degree. Um, and you feed them. They don't provide for themselves. Um, I think that would be a big indication for a domestication. To breed out some of its uh, instinctual habits over generations. To make them part of the family. To see what gender they are. To own them. To control. To take an animal from the wild and uh, convert it through behavioral manipulation to uh, provide some sort of uh, uh, ability to do chores or tasks. National Geographic simplifies domestication as the process of adapting wild animals for human use. Human use can mean things like for food or for work, to make clothing or medicine, among other uses. When do you think people began domesticating animals? 10,000 years ago? 1975. I don't know. Thousands and thousands of years ago. Wolves and horses. Uh, didn't like the kings and queens back then have animals that they brought inside? Um, that was back in like um, caveman days where they domesticated dogs. I know ancient Egyptians had black cats. Mesopotamia. Is that your default answer? What? Mesopotamia. You give me that answer on a fair amount. What's wrong with Mesopotamia? The irony is I think that is actually the answer this time. It is. Early Mesopotamians began to tame animals from meat and milk as well as to use their hides for tents and clothing. It is surmised that goats and sheep were likely among the first animals to be domesticated. Around that same time in Southeast Asia, chickens were also being domesticated. Eventually, larger hooved animals, such as oxen and horses, known as beasts of burden, were domesticated to be used for things like plowing and transportation. These animals, goats, horses, sheep, were easy to domesticate because herbivores, or plant eaters, are the easiest to feed. They didn't require special crops to eat. Some herbivores, such as chickens, however, were a little harder because while a cow will eat grass, chickens need seeds and grains, which humans had to grow intentionally. As people domesticated animals, they also bred them to better serve their purposes. Animals that bred easily in captivity, had good temperaments, and were hardy were often sought. This intentional breeding means that domesticated animals that we know today look much different than their wild ancestors. Early wild chickens, for example, were around 2 pounds. Today, chickens can weigh up to 17 pounds. Bigger chickens mean more meat. So larger chickens were bred to continue increasing the size of the animal. Chickens in the wild also only used to hatch a small number of eggs once a year. Domestic chickens today can lay up to 200 eggs a year. And given the price of eggs, I bet you wish you had a domesticated chicken. What's the difference between a domestic animal and a tame animal? Ooh, okay, so now you got me. I don't know. (laughs) A domestic animal is going to rely more on its human or a tame animal not as reliant more puts up with somebody still feral's the wrong word (laughs) wild Mm. 
tame animal will listen to you and stuff, but a domesticated one will just be there while you, like, like, instead of being in the wild, it's not in the wild, but it's still, like, controlled, kind of. Tame animals are calm and friendly. Domestic, I believe, are not friendly. They'll scratch your lungs out. Um, well, domesticated, I think, again, is, is there's been some sort of human intervention in the natural behavior of the animal where uh, a tame animal is, you know, something, uh, a, a, an animal that doesn't consider humans to be part of their food chain. So it's just naturally docile or tame towards human beings. A fish, like a fish would be docile. Like a shark? No, like a, like a halibut. Yeah, but like a shark is a fish. You can't tame a shark. Um, you can't domesticate a shark. You could deme- you could domesticate dolphins. Sharks don't well, have the sharks don't have the brain capacity to be um, taught. As we just learned, part of domesticating an animal was breeding it to suit human needs. This results in the permanent genetic modification of an animal, as well as heritable predisposition to associating with humans. Taming, on the other hand, is behavioral modification. Tameness, as we typically think about it, is generally the result of deliberate human-led training of an animal to go against its natural instinct to hide from us or to eat us. But there's a very interesting phenomenon that results in tameness referred to as island tameness. This is the tendency of many different animal populations on isolated islands to lose their natural wariness of potential predators, especially large animals. An example of this is penguins. Penguins are wary to their sea predators, but since they have no real land predators, they can be particularly bold and curious towards humans, making them tame towards people. Darwin believed that a potential cause of this lessened flight initiation in animals on remote islands may be the result of unnecessary escape responses using too much time and energy when it just isn't needed. So what types of animals do you think are domesticated? Dogs. Donkeys. That might be it. Dogs and donkeys? Um, dogs, cats, horses, cows. Uh, I guess you have chickens also. Um, yeah. Wolves. Cats, dogs, birds. Bears. No bears. <laughs> no bears. <laughs> I think that thousands of years ago, Dogs were domesticated for hunting. Um, I think that cattle, buffalo, um, horses were domesticated for the purpose of uh, uh, either travel or um, using them for um, agriculture. Cows, sheep. What? Did you guys study this recently? No. No. It turns out that basically any animal can be domesticated if humans intentionally breed it for our own use. We've talked about what essentially amounts to farm animals like chicken, sheep, goats, and cows. We've talked about horses. We haven't talked about dogs, but dogs are domesticated to help with hunting and are likely descendants of the gray wolf. 
And eventually, as we domesticated more animals for food, we were required to hunt less and less, and dogs continued to be domesticated, but as companions. So are all domestic animals pets? Well, now that you're phrasing it like this, I don't think so. Uh, Well, I don't know, because you've got domestic cows and domestic horses, I guess, but I personally wouldn't call them a pet. Other people might. (laughs) Yes. I mean, if you want them to be. You just said they scratch your lungs out. (laughs) Some don't. Like, some wolves don't. No. 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 Nope. While pets are domesticated, not all domestic animals are pets. Turkeys raised for our Thanksgiving meal are domesticated, but they are definitely not our pets. Are all tame animals domestic? I don't know. (laughs) I'm confused now. No. 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 Yes. Tame animals can be mean. But domestic doesn't mean mean. What does it mean? (laughs) You'll have to listen to my podcast to find out, I guess. (laughs) So interestingly, in many languages, the same word is used for taming and domesticating. But in English, we have different words to refer to partially overlapping, but distinctive concepts. So for the English-speaking population, nope. I've mentioned the penguins and their island tameness earlier, but there are plenty of other examples of animals that are tame, but not domesticated. Baby tigers or bears that are hand-raised from birth are not domesticated, but are tame. In opposition, bulls in Spain used for bullfighting are domesticated, but are not tame. Tame animals are considered to, in the very least, tolerate human presence and touch, but more often refers to animals who do not threaten or injure humans who do not threaten or injure them. What kind of animal makes a pet, then? It's an animal that people bring into their family, I suppose. It's more than just a a work animal. I think an animal becomes a pet when it's been domesticated specifically for the purpose of just being a part of the family. I, it's, they, I don't think that a, a pet would wind up being something like a horse that helps to plow a field. That's not a pet. That's a domesticated animal that has a chore or uh, some sort of a, a purpose other than just being a comfort or um, occupying space. You call it a pet? You legally adopting them. You feed them and care for them and pet them and love them? Um, if they want to snuggle up with you. <laughs> Lots of different animals can be pets, but certainly not all animals. So which animals can be pets? Typically, any domesticated animal that lives with you for your companionship or pleasure is a pet. With some animals, however, such as horses, dogs, and cats, that pleasure appears to be mutual and symbiotic, benefiting both the human and the animal. It is believed that keeping animals as pets has been in practice since prehistoric times, and nearly every culture and society keeps pets. What do you think the first known pet was? A cat. Cat. I would say either a dog or a cat. A wolf. Dogs. I guess the the potential of the first pet might be um, like a a bird or a pigeon. Maybe um, I think uh, at one point in the past they used uh, falcons 
to hunt. Uh, they used pigeons to send messages. But I guess also the Egyptians had cats that were extremely, um, I guess, you know, they were they were extremely uh, honored, cherished, and put on a pedestal. They'd never stay, though. Shortly after goats were domesticated, young wolves that were captured were domesticated to help with hunting, as they were faster and better at attacking prey than their human counterparts. In return, the wolves were given a consistent food source, warmth, and shelter. Scenes of family life in ancient Egypt included depictions of dogs that varied from dogs that were hunting dogs, such as greyhounds, to lap dogs sitting under the chairs of their masters. As many as 10 and 12,000 years ago, dogs were buried with humans, and grave sites with high-value items and only dogs have been found dating back at least 8,000 years. Around 2,000 years ago, Romans began keeping small toy dogs who did not appear to have any specific job and must have just been for companionship. A few hundred years ago, European royalty began having special pockets sewn into their garments to hold small dogs. It is for these reasons that many archaeologists believe that dogs were the first animals kept as pets. What do you think the most popular pet is worldwide? Or in the U.S.? I think the most popular pet is probably, it's either a dog, a cat, or fish. Dogs. A cat or a dog. A dog. Dogs. A doggo. A what? Doggo. Actually, most popular is both cats and dogs because both cats and dogs have their own differences that make them unique. So, you know, a lot of people have cats and a lot of people have dogs. This number was a funny one to research because it turns out the pet in the most number of households worldwide is a dog, but there are not more pet dogs than pet cats or fish. The reasoning behind this is that it's not uncommon for a household that has cats or fish to actually have multiple cats or fish. 63% of all U.S. households have a pet, and it breaks down like this. 152 million fish, 88 million cats, 75 million dogs, 16 million birds, 24 million small animals, like hamsters, 13 million horses, and 13 million reptiles. That's a lot of pets. We've heard about people keeping dogs, cats, birds, fish, horses, and reptiles as pets. Commonly, or? <laughs> dogs, cats, birds, rabbits. But people keep all sorts of things. Dogs, cats, um, hamsters, gerbils, guinea pigs. I was like, is she going to name all yeah. rodents? <laughs> dogs, cats, fish. Oh. Dogs, cats, birds, turtles, fish. Hamsters? Yeah. Guinea pigs? <laughs> Guinea pigs are kind of mean. <laughs> they bit my teacher. Guinea pigs are the sweetest little things. I used to have a lot of them. Not towards my teacher. I had one that I loved. Hamsters are way meaner than guinea pigs. They're way meaner. <laughs> Guinea pigs are like sweet and docile little things. Make little no cute noises. Beep, 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 beep. True story. Dogs, cats, snakes, spiders, fish. Um, I don't know. I've, I've seen a lot of Netflix documentaries where odd people, for some reason, pick up animals that probably shouldn't be pets. Monkeys or, or chimpanzees and tigers. And so I think I think the potential is, is that if there's an animal out there, somebody probably wants to turn it into a pet. But what are some more unusual animals that might be kept? 
Recently, a strange-looking water dude called an axolotl has grown in popularity as a pet. I'll link a picture on the website if you don't know what these guys are. But other unusual animals that are kept as pets include fennec foxes, which are about the size of a chihuahua. Cockroaches, specifically Madagar hissing cockroaches, dust head cockroaches, and Cuban cockroaches. Since they can be invasive, though, transporting them between states and countries is heavily regulated. Also, getting a pet cockroach, you're looking at a one to five year commitment. Other bugs that are kept as pets include millipedes and tarantulas, both of which are considered very low maintenance pets. Sugar gliders, which are little tree-dwelling marsupials, have grown in popularity due to their size, softness, and utter adorability. But they are illegal in several states, including Alaska, California, Hawaii, Massachusetts, and New Mexico. They also have four scent glands they use to mark their territory, so they can be a bit smelly. So, we can't transport our pet cockroach, Cocky Balboa, across state lines, but who regulates pets? What are some ordinances that you know to exist about pets? What does regulate mean? Laws. Oh. Let me get the letters wrong. The ASPCA and Sarah McLaughlin. They have to stay on a leash in public. You have to clean up after them. Not allowed on the plane unless they're a service pet. Um, I know that you can't keep like um what they would consider wild animals as pets. So like. I know one rule for wolves, wolf dogs, is they have to be like a third um, third generation wolf dog in order to have that one as a pet in South Carolina. I don't believe that it is enforced the way that the law is written, but I know that in some states and then in some counties that if you have, uh, you, you can only have three of any domesticated animal such as dogs or cats. So I believe in Georgia, there is an unenforced law that says, or it might be county ordinance of of some sort, but um, that you cannot own four cats. You can only own three cats or four dogs. You can only own three dogs. Pets are typically regulated at the very local level, like your HOA, town ordinances, county regulations, or state laws. Or your mom. My household absolutely does not allow bugs for pets. Typically, these rules, ordinances, regulations, and laws will indicate what types of animals a person may own and often how many of them. Here in South Carolina, we were one of five states that did not have a state-level restriction on owning wild animals until a law enacted on January 1st of 2018 made it illegal to own large cats, apes, non-native bears, wolves, coyotes, bison, mountain goats, and mountain sheep, and turkeys. Side note, if you're now wondering what bear is native to South Carolina, that would be the black bear. I really don't suggest getting a pet black bear, though. If you could have any animal as a pet, what would it be? Um, well, otter. Does that have to be a real animal? Pegasus would be pretty good. (laughs) You could get around in land or the sky. What about at sea? Well, a Kelpie would work for that, but I don't think they can fly. A wolf. I do not want a wolf. I want a mini dapple doxy. I want a wolf or a phoenix fox. Mom wants a skunk. <laughs> you can try to catch one here and just give it to her. She wants one that's decent. Yeah, she wants one that can't make stinky stinks. Can we just 
cut off its stinky stink. We're just gonna cut off its stinky stink. Makes sense. A sloth. A sloth? Why? Sure. I, I assume I just have to. They have such a slow metabolism that you only have to feed them, you know, or, or no, maybe that's wrong. Maybe they, I think I would prefer to have a sloth just because it moves very slowly so I could see it coming. <laughs> okay. A wolf or a panther. Yeah. Really? What would you name them? I feel like you would know what you would name them. Oh gosh. Something like, um, something really majestic. I don't know what though. <laughs> Oh, like a me. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I would probably, with a wolf, probably something Native American. Um, and then with a panther, probably something South American. Pets are such a lovely part of our lives, bringing us happiness, comfort, and companionship. They share in our daily lives. And, and while I love my sweet snuggle bugs so much, it would be fun to have a pet miniature cow. You know what I'm talking about, those little fluffy brown short ones. So cute. So that's what I've got today. Thanks so much for joining me on this trip down the rabbit hole. Rabbits are also a popular pet. And as always, be safe, be kind, and stay curious. The Welcome to Wonderland podcast is copyrighted by Amy Bland and is part of the Barrett Gruber Entertainment Division. This podcast is recorded in the podcast studio at GOT Sound Studio in Lexington, South Carolina. Any thoughts or opinions expressed as part of this production are those of the host unless otherwise indicated. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please follow, like, and share this podcast. Find us on Facebook at Welcome to Wonderland the Podcast and on Twitter at Wonderland underscore pod. To submit corrections, additional information, or request for new episodes, email the host at Welcome to Wonderland the Pod at gmail.com One's a lap dog. <laughs> She's not a lap dog. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about <laughs> We're talking about you. You're not <laughs> I love you. <laughs> we're talking about you, but we're not interviewing you, okay? Are you done? Okay. I think we're done. No. No. Drop it. Allie. Allie. Drop it. Bad girl. <sighs> I don't know why you being so naughty. All right. Let's try again. Take 17. Tell me about your pet. Welcome to Wonderland as part of the GOT Podcast Network and a product of Barrett Gruber Entertainment and Media. Hello, podcast listener. My name is Barrett, and along with a couple friends, Zach and Trent, I host the All About Nothing Podcast. A weekly discussion about news, entertainment, politics, sports, and more. We give our honest opinions about the information that's most affecting the world. Sometimes serious, sometimes funny, but never not interesting. It's the All About Nothing podcast with Zach King, Trent Clark, and Barrett Gruber. Get it wherever you listen to podcasts or visit theallaboutnothing.com for links. The All About Nothing podcast. It's likely to be the best part of your week.